0: we yeah. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod and Alabama Sports Podcast from Bama 247. I'm staff writer Cody Goodwin. Today's show, gonna talk a little bit of college football playoff rankings, first iteration of which were released on Tuesday. Gonna talk a little Alabama LSU. It's a pretty big game this Saturday night at Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Gonna talk all of this with fellow staff writer Mike Rodak. Mike. Got back from the bye week. Um, how did you spend your bye week? Do you feel rested and recuperated for what's going to be a pretty big month here? Not just in football, but obviously we've talked about how busy the rest of the schedule is going to be.
1: Yeah, it's never a true bye week, even for the the team itself. I mean, I think they practiced basically all the way through Thursday, <clears throat> and then Nick Saban flies to Lake Burton in Georgia and still works basically, you know, through Friday and Saturday, and he's back by Sunday morning and. Coaches are back, so um, I don't know if it's too much different on our end. I think, yeah, it helps to have, I think, Friday, Saturday. It's probably the same deal as, you know we're not doing much, but, you know, there's still the zoo to go to and um, <laughs> festivities. So then you just get right back into it because Sunday was, you know, the basketball scrimmage and all that stuff and, you know, digesting the polls and getting ready for LSU. So
0: I talked with, me,
1: uh, I
0: talked with Talty about this. Um, Saturday was kind of nice because there are some Saturdays when we're, you know, we're obviously working, we're covering the team and there's a lot of big games that Alabama plays in, but, Saturday was kind of nice to just kind of like melt into the couch a little bit and just watch college football. And it wasn't the most exciting slate, but there were, I mean, you know, like watching Kansas knock off Oklahoma, got to watch some PAC 12 in mountain West after dark, like, you know, just to kind of sit back and channel surf a little bit and watch a little bit more of teams that you maybe don't see on a regular basis. Did you indulge in that at all? Or am I just a college football nerd now?
1: Uh, A little bit. I mean, as much as time allows with two young children. So again, we were at the zoo and then you know, it's a lunch, and I, I saw a little bit of the South Carolina AM game, which was competitive. Um, you know, if they AM had lost that game, you know, look out, Jimbo. Um, you know, Oklahoma, Texas or Oklahoma, Kansas was on at that time. Um, I mean, there wasn't a ton. There's the Auburn, Mississippi State game. It didn't really feel like a huge week. Florida, Georgia, I guess, was, you know, the big one, but that was non competitive. I mean, Georgia just, ran all over them, and Florida scored a late touchdown to make it look closer, but that Georgia team is, newsflash, still really good. Yeah, Uh, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest weekend in terms of, like, games that you need to tune into. I think, you know, this weekend is probably better. I mean, LSU, Alabama, for starters, um, well – I thought it was Washington USC. I think Washington's really the, Washington you
0: know, USC, Georgia Mizzou, Texas K State. There's a few interesting games there. You know, Ohio on the State, same Rutgers,
1: thing. You know, that's a big one. Um, forty-two and a, oh, sorry, eighteen and a half point was. Just, I thought the spread was forty-two. I was like, man, Rutgers is six and two. <laughs> How about that? Hey, that, um, they, they figured some things out over there in the Big Ten. Not not
0: that they needed to clear a high hurdle to to do that, but you know, at one point Maryland was. You know, it, they always have a good September, but you know.
1: A&M at Ole Miss, I think, is a little bit intriguing. Um, because if Ole Miss loses that game and Alabama wins, and Alabama wins the SEC West, um, I mean, Clemson, Dabo, <laughs> Tyler hosting uh, Notre Dame, I think, is interesting. So it's it's a pretty good weekend. It's not great, but Alabama LSE was clearly the highlight, which is why you know, game day is coming here on uh, Saturday. Yeah. Um,
0: we'll touch on that in, um, You know, some of these other games that might impact college football playoff rankings, which is one of the first bigger topics that we'll get to. But I'm kind of curious. You've been doing this for a really long time, and I have found myself just kind of, you know, when you cover the team you cover, like you have a certain eye for things. You watch for certain things. You have a lot of context around what it is specifically you're watching. How do you watch other teams? Cause sometimes like I, it's fun to just kind of like sit back and just like, yeah, like I'm going to watch bits and pieces of this Kansas Oklahoma game. I'm going to watch bits and pieces of the South Carolina A M and m game. Like I feel a lot lighter as opposed to like when I'm watching Alabama, I'm like zoom, like really locked in. Like I need to watch every single little detail. And then same thing when I do the rewatch, but like when I watch these other games and like, it's important that we know what's going on around the sec. And you know, because Alabama's so relevant, what's going on around the rest of the college football world. Like, I feel I I feel like I just kind of sit back and it's like yeah I just kind of take things how I see them like do, are you the same way how do you watch other football teams when you cover a major college football team
1: I'm not like watching them from a scouting report standpoint um and I don't I can't I mean I, there's very few games I've watched like front to back whole games elsewhere I mean usually other than the bye week, it's a saturday and there's some sort of Alabama game going on and kind of depends on what time the Alabama game is. If it's an 11 a.m. game, which we've had a couple of them this year, um, Arkansas and then Kentucky next week will be one and Chattanooga the week after. Then you're not really watching games during the day because you're watching a game in front of you at 11. And then after that, you're working writing. So you're not really watching the 2:30 games. And then maybe you get home in time, you know, watch the late game. Um, if it's a, mid-afternoon cbs game for alabama you might catch some of the early games um maybe not all of them and then again after that you're writing so you're not really watching anything you know six seven o'clock and then if it's a late game then maybe yeah you got a chance to watch something during the day but you might also have other stuff going on birthday parties and all the fun stuff that happen on saturdays um and so maybe you don't get a chance so it's tough on, on Saturdays, and it's not like the NFL where you have primetime games that are good sometimes on Thursdays or Mondays. I mean, the only other options in college football is a random Friday night game, which usually isn't great. You know, there's the Mac games during the middle of the week, and you can't tell me to watch the Mac. Like, I just can't do it. I like people in Buffalo don't care about the Mac, and they're in the Mac. Um, So... I, in You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, especially in November, Tuesday night, you have the college football playoff Wednesday night Saban talks at six and Thursday night Saban has his radio show for an hour at seven. So there's not a whole lot of viewing time in there. So I guess the fact of the matter is I don't watch a ton um, in terms of like sitting down and watching the TV. I tend to scoreboard watch a little bit more or Twitter watch and kind of see what games are being talked about by the, the national people whose job it is to to watch all those. So um, in a sense i let other people do it for me
0: <laughs> um no that's 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 interesting i'm always curious how like other you know college football writers or just sports writers in general watch like how do they watch other teams that maybe they don't cover on a regular basis or they don't see often enough um because like i did the same thing when i covered wrestling like i was very like iowa Iowa state you and i like those were the primary college teams that i covered so i was very like we're going to watch everything. We're going to watch everything twice. We're going to take kind of an analytical view. what we learn this, that and the next. And then I would watch like a random big 10 duel on big 10 network. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to kick back and, you know, fire from the hip. Like, let's just, you know, kind of see what happens here. Um, So, you know, the bye week offers an opportunity to do that. And so I wasn't sure if you were one able to take advantage because I know you've got fatherly duties and then two um, what you maybe saw if you did. Um,
1: George is really good. That's my main conclusion. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they seem to have figured out that if they just turn into the Death Star, um, you know, they're pretty They're pretty good. They're pretty, they pretty good. 25 um, games
1: in a row is a pretty good feat.
0: It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, George is one of the many games that will be interesting this week. At least I think there's – I've got a list of games in note here that could potentially impact college football playoff. Um, that's one of the first things we wanted to get to today. First iteration of those were released Tuesday. Alabama checks in at number eight. Um, The teams ahead of them, Ohio State, one, Georgia, two, Michigan, three, Florida State, four. Those are the big ones. And then you got Washington, five, Oregon, six, Texas, seven, Alabama, eight, Oklahoma, nine, Ole Miss, 10, LSU at 14. That's who Alabama plays on Saturday. We'll touch on them a little bit more as well. Um, Mike, you did a good job just outlining the possibility that a 12-1 SEC champion Alabama, there is a path there, and we've discussed this kind of briefly as well. Um, There is a path there for them to potentially end up number five and and miss the playoff. And there's a lot of Alabama fans and maybe even SEC fans at large that are like, you can't leave a one loss SEC champ out of the playoff. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense when you could potentially have an undefeated Big Ten champ, an undefeated ACC champ in Florida State. I know we can sit down and argue their strength of schedule, but I just have a hard time believing that an undefeated ACC champ in Florida State would miss the playoff. Um, and then potentially Washington running the rest of the table in the Pac-12, and then Texas doing the same thing that Alabama would do, run the table. Um, you know, potentially beat Oklahoma in a rematch in the Big 12 championship game and finish 12 and one. You know, a lot of different factors that play here. There's four weeks left. There's a lot of games that are going to impact how this picture ultimately look- looks. I would agree with fans who push back on what you wrote that the likely of that world actually existing. Mm-hmm. Probably slim, um, you know, kind of looking more at Washington, maybe than I am, you know, a potential undefeated big 10 champ or potentially Florida state, um, you know, Washington, I think they've got, you know, I think they still have to play Utah. I think they still have to play USC. They would have to beat Oregon a second time in a PAC 12 championship game. Just the way that that conference is shaping up, um, since the Oregon game, which I think you could argue Oregon maybe lost more than Washington won. Washington hasn't looked super impressive, just based on what I've been able to see. Um, but you did a good job of just at least acknowledging, like, hey, this is a reality that exists. It's not that simple. There's a lot of dominoes that need to fall. There's a lot of dominoes that could fall. Um, was that your initial reaction? Or I guess when you watched the the reveal on Tuesday, what was what were kind of your thoughts on Alabama's position? What what could happen? What needs to happen, you know, just off the top of head.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's where I had the story written already. It was them number eight because that's where they were in the AP poll. That's where they were in the coaches poll. And I think it was hard to see them really anywhere else. I mean, maybe seven. Um, but even then, it like if they're seven then the committee was putting Texas behind them, which I don't see happening, or you're putting Oregon behind Alabama, which after Oregon's um, win over – I'm blanking right now in terms of who they just beat. That was a big win for them. They thumped um, Utah. Utah, right. So that I think moved Oregon up in a lot of people's eyes. And um, it's a good just, Oregon team, man. It's a yeah, really good Oregon right. team. Right. And, you know, it's it's the lowest that they've started in, in these rankings in their existence of the rankings. So I don't think you can just brush that under the rug that you go from eight to four without getting a little bit of help somewhere else. And, um, and you're right. I think Washington has the least a uh, certain path of going undefeated, getting into the playoff. Um, But if they do do all those things and beat USC and beat, I think Oregon state, they have coming up, Oregon state's a top. They got, team. yeah. USC, Utah, Oregon state. They finish with Washington state, but then they would presumably have to play Oregon a second time. Right. So And that's, if they do all that, like that's playoff team. I think the committee has a lot of respect for the PAC 12 this year. There's six teams in the top 20 right now, two in the top six, I don't think the whole idea of the committee leaving out a Pac-12 champion as they've done in the past is not – like I don't see that happening this year. Um, it, it's been a pretty strong league. I think there's a lot of respect for the teams that are in there. Um, and I know sometimes, having covered the SEC now for five years, that you know there's kind of this idea that the SEC is always going to be dominant in the playoff and the Pac-12 is always a pretender – or the ACC sometimes is a pretender or Notre Dame is a pretender. Or if you have a group of five team in there, like Cincinnati, you came in a couple of years ago, they're a pretender. Usually that's true. It doesn't mean it's always true. And really the committee's not picking conferences. They're not saying we need one SEC team and we need one big 10 team, et cetera. Even as the history might suggest, that's the strongest conference. Those are the teams that have performed the best in the playoff. It doesn't mean – um, that's how they can do it this year and pick conferences and not teams. I mean, you're you're always going to hear it from them that they're picking teams and not conferences. So the conference affiliation doesn't really matter. Um, I think strength of schedule does matter. And that's where I think Florida State maybe is slightly overrated. Um, you know, the ACC is just not strong this year at all, uh, especially with North Carolina sliding now with two losses. I'm looking at Florida State's strength of schedule – It's not great. Yeah, in terms of where they've been so far, they're 49th. Um,
0: That LSU beatdown in week one is doing a lot of work for them, I think,
1: because the ACC is down this year. Right. And Washington's 75th in strength of schedule so far, but they're 11th in terms of what they have left because they have a lot of good games left. Florida State has uh, the 51st remaining strength of schedule. So. Um, honestly, like if you do get into that scenario that I wrote about, that you have an undefeated Michigan or Ohio State, you have an undefeated Washington, you have an undefeated Florida State, and you have a one loss Texas that wins the Big 12, which again, I think that's still uncertain too, because I think Oklahoma could come back and beat Texas again. Like it's entirely possible, or yeah. Texas to lose a game before then. But if that does happen, then I think the two closest teams that you have an argument against would be. Florida state and Texas and Florida state because of the strength of schedule aspect. And you could say you both beat LSU, which I think that plays into how if if Alabama beats LSU on Saturday, how well does it happen? Because Florida state was pretty convincingly winning that game in the second half, you know, in in week one, if Alabama just squeaks by LSU at home, you know, the committee is going to look at the common opponent there. So that is important. The rest of Florida State's schedule, there's just not. I mean, there's Duke. Um, in terms of who they would play in the ACC title game, right now it would be Louisville. They they need Louisville to continue to play well. And given the way that
0: the SEC has unfolded, like I don't think there's any guarantee that it's like 11-1 and Louisville against 12-0 and Florida State. Like, I just do right. you
1: know. I mean, and there was a point where we all thought North Carolina was top. 10 borderline top 15 team that would play Florida state. And that would give Florida state another good game. But right now that's not looking like that's going to happen. So um, honestly, I think they have a better argument Alabama does against Florida state than they would against Texas. And I know that the Texas thing is interesting because the committee is going to look at head to head, as long as they view the teams as equal, otherwise so, like, right now, they didn't view Texas and Oklahoma as equal, which is why Texas is ranked ahead of Oklahoma two spots, even though Oklahoma beat them, because Oklahoma has that bad loss to Kansas. Well, Texas, I don't really think has a bad loss. I mean, they lost by a few points to Oklahoma on a neutral field in a rivalry game. And a so game where they turn the ball
0: over three times, too. Like, let's, you right. know, it's not like – I Oklahoma won that game. I will give them that. But Texas lost it as much as Oklahoma won it.
1: Right, and so I don't I don't think that the committee is going to really hammer Texas for that being their loss, which leads me to believe that if you have a one-loss Texas that's a conference champion, you have a one-loss Alabama that's a conference champion, even though Alabama might have some better wins, Georgia in that case, LSU, Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. And Ole Miss could fall. That's the one thing that happens this time of year. Ole Miss is sometimes up there, and then they still, in this case, have to play Georgia. So if Ole Miss takes another loss or two, that win in terms of where it, Ranks for Alabama is not going to be as good. Uh, Ole Miss, I mean, Tennessee, we'll have to see where they finish. A&M, we'll have to see where they finish. Like, there's a few good wins there, obviously, for Alabama. But Texas would have a win over Oklahoma in this scenario because they win, um, you know, the Big 12. And I just think they would be viewed as equals, in which case, yes, the head-to-head would come into play. Yes, And I just have a hard time seeing the committee leaving out Texas in lieu of Alabama when Texas went to Tuscaloosa and won by 10 points and won pretty convincingly taking the air out of the ball in the final seven minutes in a place where very few people have won in the past 15 years. So like, I'm not trying to take the Texas viewpoint here, but I just think that would be shocking to see Texas left out over Alabama. Yeah,
0: um, no, you make a, you make a fair point because like, you know, and a lot of Alabama fans like, you know, I, one of one of the joys of this job is like, you know, seeing you be honest on Twitter and then reading the mentions because people people are very passionate to put it nicely, I suppose. And so when you brought this scenario up, there were a lot of people that were like, why would you leave out a one loss SEC champ team? This, that and the next. Clearly, they were not reading The story that you wrote, because it very clearly lays out the possibility, however unlikely, that's a different conversation. But just like the idea that a lot of Alabama fans and even SEC fans are like, I think they would look at resume over head to head. It's like, well, no, like team A goes 12 and one wins their conference. Team B goes 12 and one and wins their conference. And you can look at blind resumes that way. But like ultimately, the first notch on that comparison is team A beat team B. Like right. that's that's it. That's the end yeah. of the, you know. And so like I it was funny to read those responses and be like, do you like, do you guys not understand the concept of head-to-head results and how much that probably matters here? You and, know, and like it was is,
1: and sorry to interrupt, but like I, I don't know where some of these people are getting the resume numbers being like terribly different between Alabama and Texas. Right now, Alabama has the fourth strongest strength of record, which is that ESPN stat that you know, reflects the chance of an average top twenty-five team would have the team's record or better given the schedule. Alabama four. Texas is sixth in the country so far. Strength of schedule: Alabama eighth hardest in the country. Texas ninth hardest in the country. Remaining strength of schedule: Alabama has the eighteenth hardest schedule. Texas has the twenty-second hardest schedule. There's there's barely a difference in terms of the resume, the strength of record, strength of schedule part of that between Alabama and Texas. Um so this idea that Texas is just waltzing through the Big 12 and they don't get challenged, I don't think really exists. I mean there's good teams in the Big 12. Kansas State is ranked, Oklahoma's ranked. Um Kansas is ranked, Oklahoma State's ranked. So I mean, there's a five-way tie at the
0: top of the Big 12 conference right now. Like right. it's you know, you can debate the merit of depth between SEC and Big 12, but like this all comes back to the fact that you have rightfully continued to point out Texas beat Alabama. Like that is going to matter if this scenario ultimately shows up. And I think it's going to matter regardless of what scenario shows up. Like Texas is ahead of Alabama and they're probably going to remain ahead of Alabama until they take a
1: second loss. Right. And imagine the alternate scenario of last year. Let's say it wasn't TCU, but it was Texas that had won the big 12 and was looking for a playoff spot. And they were going up against Alabama. And Alabama went to Texas and won by you know one point last September 2022, and you know there was maybe some argument that Texas should get in over Alabama because of a better resume. Even though Alabama won head to head, Alabama fans would be mad. They would be rip roaring about we went to Texas and beat Texas. We should be in the playoff over them. I think the same logic should apply here, where I think Texas fans would be rightfully angry if. Um, Texas was left out of the playoff as a one-loss conference champion instead of Alabama. You know, as a one-loss conference champion. And I'll say this too: like, goes both ways. Like two years ago, the 2021 playoff, you might remember Alabama won the SEC West fairly early. Um, you know, they beat LSU, which was down that year. You no know, coach O's last year, and um, I think they beat Arkansas to win the West the week after or two weeks after, and then so they went to the Iron Bowl already having a spot in the SEC championship game, already knowing they would play Georgia. And that week I said Alabama can afford a loss to Auburn, which would have been their second loss of the year because they already lost AM. and And if they go and beat Georgia next week, the stats, the numbers say they would be a two-loss team that gets into the playoffs. That's what all the stats and the experts, if you will, were saying about it. And I got ridiculed for that. Like, oh, there's no way a two-loss Alabama team that loses to Auburn and get into the playoff. And I said, I think there is. And then that game goes down to four overtimes. And, I mean, they were very close to losing that game, obviously. They had you know the, the last second drive at the end of regulation. And even with all that, if they had lost to Auburn and then gone and did what they did to Georgia the next week, they would have been in the playoff as a two-loss SEC champion. But that was – the reality of that season and what happened around them that season. And this is yeah, a so many dominoes yeah. had to fall
0: for that to possibly happen.
1: Right. And that's, I think sometimes people forget that too. And they also view the committee as like a, a static thing. Like what the committee did four or five years ago is what they're going to do now. It's just not the case because it's an entirely different committee. I mean, it changes over every three years. So it's not the same set of people sitting down and evaluating You know the, the thing and and what they, I'm gonna say the criteria is different because the criteria is set, but like the way they think about things can change, and the way that they rank teams on different uh, belief systems and methodologies can change too. So it's not that easy to kind of use what happened in the past to and apply it to you know the future with with the playoff. Hundred percent. Um, you
0: met you had made mention of this earlier, and I'd like to make it mention again we're not hating on Alabama. We're not like, you know, anti Alabama. Like it's better for our business. If they do better and they play better and they win and they go do these fun things. Like we're not actively rooting for them. That's just the op. Like, that's just the, let's be honest about this. Um, but let's also be honest about their current situation where they're at at the college football playoff rankings, what needs to happen, what could happen, what we're watching this, that, and the next. Like, there's just a lot of different things at play. Um, people who are mad, like, there's four weeks left. There's a lot that's going to happen over the course of those four weeks. There's a lot that's going to happen this weekend that could impact the next college football playoff ranking. Like, it's just good to acknowledge what's going on. It's good to acknowledge all the different possibilities so that if things do break a certain way, you understand kind of where we're coming from, what we're seeing, and why we see things that way, and why things ultimately happen the way they did.
1: So – is- um, this is a fun time of year for me. I know some people hate the playoff rankings and, you know, why does ESPN do this and why do they have weekly rankings? Th- this is like, this is fun. Like it's, you know, it's kind of like talking bubble teams with the NCAA tournament, which has not been a problem for Alabama lately. Uh, it was maybe my first year here. There was some talk, you know, are they on the bubble, but you know, there's always a fun discussion, you know, those last couple weeks of basketball season about that. And I think these last couple of weeks of football season, this, discussions fun now next year honestly it's going to be a little bit muted because of the 12 team playoff and you kind of know like if you're in the top 10 safely then you're going to be in the playoff And it doesn't really matter I mean maybe the order of the rankings is going to matter in terms of whether you have a home game and if you win your conference championship or you're gonna have a bye. you know there's some value there but right, right now this is fun and um <laughs> it's yeah it it is what it is. Like, again, it could change next week and um you don't have to get too worked up about it. But I think, like you said, acknowledging the possibilities and kind of the scenarios is just part of what it is. You know, I don't have to defend it to the death, necessarily.
0: 100%. Um, I did want, I got two more quick college football playoff thoughts. One of them, another hyperbole that I'm just kind of curious what you think might happen at this current state. We don't have to spend too much time on it. And then we'll look at some of the matchups, just kind of what quickly, which games kind of stick out. But I wanted to throw out this hypothetical to you as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know how likely this is, but let's play this out. You have an undefeated Big Ten champ, either Ohio State or Michigan. You have an undefeated Florida State out of the ACC. The hypothetical I'm going to post to you is that you then have a 12 in 1 Oregon Pac 12 champ, a 12 in 1 Washington Pac 12 runner up, a 12 in 1 Texas Big, T- Big 12 champ, a 12 in 1 Alabama SEC champ and a 12 in 1 Georgia SEC runner up and then either Ohio State Michigan at 11 and 1. Who gets in?
1: Yeah, that's funny because I was driving home <laughs> on Tuesday I think it was listening to um SEC radio in Syria. It was Heather Dennich who, you know, covers the playoff for ESPN and somebody else I forget who it was. And the other person brought up the fact that maybe two Pac-12 teams get into the playoff this year, you know, Washington Yeesh. and Oregon. And I'm thinking, man, one Pac-12 team hasn't gotten in in seven years. Um, <laughs> two would be shocking. Um, even as good as the conference has been this year, I think for both Washington and Oregon to get in, that would be very surprising. Because then you're leaving out two conferences somewhere else. Yeah. Um, now, I think the Oregon possibility is really interesting to me. Because right now they're ranked ahead of Alabama, and if they run the table, if they beat Washington, there will be a one-loss conference champion. Um, and then, like you said, you'd have a one-loss Texas and a one-loss Alabama, so
0: all three conference
1: champs, too, in this specific scenario. Right, and that's that's a tough one. Um, yeah. And right now, Oregon strength of schedule is 66. Remaining sch- strength of schedule is 40th strength of record they've
0: they've they've still got they still got oregon state um they still have i think they play i think they still have usc Mm -hmm. um so you know not not exactly the toughest schedule but still like there's a couple landmines there and then that was also presuming that they would you know beat washington in a pac-12 championship rematch but that is i'd I'd, as i was kind of running through it in my head i'm like i don't know what that would look like you know because you can make the argument that Oregon is currently ahead of Alabama. And so if they win out, they should stay ahead of Alabama. But then also, Alabama would, you know, have a win over Georgia. And right. so it's like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, Alabama will be picking up, you know, let's say they beat LSU, LSU drops. That's still probably a top 20 win when all is said and done. Uh, you'd be picking up a top 10 win in Georgia. Cause if you beat Georgia, Georgia's going to drop a decent amount. Um, Oregon would have a top 10 win in Washington and a top 15 win in Utah and probably a top 25 win in Oregon State. Um, and they have a three-point loss on the road to a top 10 team in Washington. Which I, I would argue very
0: similar to Texas losing to Oklahoma at a neutral field. I, they're, you know... Oregon lost that game as much as Washington won it like credit to the Huskies for going down and doing the thing but I you know there's probably a couple plays in that game that Dan Lanning wants back in any case
1: right I it would be a really interesting outcome to have like you said two obvious teams I guess if you want to call it that Florida State and either Ohio State or Michigan and then you're picking two out of Alabama Texas and Oregon where Texas beat Alabama and Oregon is currently ranked ahead of Alabama so it's Texas so if I'm going chalk in terms of where the rankings are now, I think Oregon and um, Texas would make it. And that would be, again, surprising from the fact that the sec wouldn't have a team, but I don't think the committee's operating on any sort of basis that we need an sec team in the playoff because the sec has been so successful in the playoff. And that's where our TV ratings are. Like, I don't think that's how they're going to operate. Um, and that's not how they should operate by the letter of their rules. So that would just be how it falls this year. And um, look, like Georgia's not as good as Georgia is. Like they still have to get past Missouri, which is a good team this year. I mean, Ole Miss at home, I think they can handle. And it's play like, Tennessee too. They got to go to Knoxville for that one. Right. So I, like in, you had mentioned Georgia as a possibility, you know, as a one loss non-conference champion. I, I think they would be probably the last team in that mix. Um but they're also you can make an argument for them to be number 1 right now. So I don't know. That's sometimes these things sort themselves out, sometimes they don't and there's a big decision that has to be made on on selection Sunday. Um you know, we'll just have to see, but you know, overall it's that's just kind of where the math is this year. It's Typically by now a conference has played it out, played itself out of the playoff. And usually it's been the pack twelve. And you don't have to worry about the pac twelve. And we haven't had to worry about them in the playoffs since 2007 or sorry, 2017 with Washington. Um but now you do. So now you have five power five conference champions potentially that all have an argument to make the playoff for four spots. And then it becomes a game of musical chairs, which is I think the big difference between this year and and some of the recent years. I have no reason to believe that this won't sort
0: itself out over the next four weeks, but that was just, as I saw the the first, you know, list, as I saw the first rankings and I saw some of the matchups that are coming up over the next month, I was like, well, you know, this could be a thing. I'm kind of curious to see how they solve that puzzle. And so I figured, Alabama's hoping-
1: not. Like, the eye test for Alabama is not – it's not like 2017 where you're like, oh, man, this team's really good, and then they happen to lose the Iron Bowl and they don't make the SEC championship game, but they still make the playoff because everybody knows Alabama's really good. I don't think they're going to get the benefit of that doubt this year because people watched the Tennessee game in the first half and how poorly they played. They watched the Arkansas game and how poorly they played in the second half. They watched the Ole Miss game and how poorly they played in the first half and the AM game and how they – had to pull that one out. So I mean, they've won these games you know, to their credit, to the you know the Nick Saban resiliency and all that. But it, I don't think there's committee members who are sitting back on these Saturdays and, and saying Alabama's dominant. Alabama needs to be in the playoff. Alabama's it's gonna be one of the top four teams in the country. That doesn't seem like how they've looked this year. So again, I just don't know if they get the benefit of the doubt from the eye test that maybe they've gotten in the past.
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. More about some of the games coming up this weekend. We'll dive into Alabama LSU next, but some of the other games that could impact the next iteration of the rankings, you got Texas, K state, Georgia, Mizzou, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the last Bedlam ever, potentially, sad face, Washington, USC, Ohio State, Rutgers, Florida State has Pitt, eh. Oregon, Cal, eh. Ole Miss, A M and could be kind of interesting. Of those games, I guess Michigan, Purdue too, but that's kind of whatever. Um, of those games, which ones kind of strike you as maybe the most intriguing? Maybe I, whether it's from a college football playoff standpoint or just, you know, hey, that looks like a fun game.
1: I mean, Mizzou, Georgia. Yeah. Um... I mean, Georgia's favored by 15 and a half. I Again, I, sounds think right. I think they're still a really good team that doesn't quite get enough credit just because I think people are kind of bored of them now, kind of like what happened to Alabama at some points. Um, and even though they lose Brock Bowers, they're still a top five passing offense in the country, and they still put up 40 points against Florida and had almost 500 yards of offense and 300-plus passing yards. It's like this team is good. It's not just Brock Bowers. Missouri's also good. Um, yeah, you know, is this when their pumpkin you know, turn into a pumpkin, I should say? And you know, they're they get exposed on the road in a tough environment. Um, it's possible. But if it's the flip side and you know, Missouri was it last year at yeah, it was last year at home. They came pretty close to beating Georgia. Stetson Bennett had to drive them down the field and and win that game late. Um, if Missouri somehow pulls that game out, and all of a sudden they're the favorites to win. The SEC East, and all of a sudden you're talking about Alabama playing Missouri in Atlanta, um, which I think Alabama fans would welcome. I think that's an easier <laughs> game, but then you're also like, Man, that's a pretty good Missouri team that just went into Athens and beat Georgia. So yeah, uh, right. I don't know. Like, that's uh that's a good game. And um other than Alabama LSU, I mean, I guess both of those games could be deciding for the most part. Um, the divisions, and maybe we're all wrong about Alabama, Georgia, and trying to figure out playoff scenarios. Maybe we should be talking about LSU and Missouri playing in Atlanta instead, and which one of those teams make the playoff. Because we're, yeah, that game is
0: kind of a pseudo East championship yeah. game. Um, you know, I think if Georgia wins, they're up two games on the rest of the division with two to go. So that effectively puts the nail in that coffin. Alabama, LSU, the game we're going to be watching. Um, it's so if Alabama wins. And like you mentioned, if Alabama wins, Ole Miss loses, Alabama wins the West, boom, done, all good. If LSU wins, LSU took a loss to Ole Miss earlier this year. Alabama obviously beat Ole Miss. That throws a three-way tie into that division race with two weeks still to go or two conference games still to go for everybody. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'd have to break out the tiebreaker rulebook. I don't know how that would go. Um, You know, Alabama could make this easy on everybody and just win, you know, just keep it simple. But. Um, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, no, I I am glad Georgia Mizzou is before Bama LSU because that is a game I want to watch. Um grew up a Mizzou fan, so kind of you know, 10-year-old Cody's a little giddy right now. I don't know that they've been in this position since 2007 when they just flat out couldn't beat Oklahoma. Um, shout out Chase Daniel. But yeah, no, I was kind of curious. I, I think that game, and then I think the other one I had marked um Washington USC just cuz i think that's you know i there's there's a case to be made that USC could really help Alabama when oh, yeah. you look at kind of the greater picture of the college football playoff um and it could start this week with a win over Washington if they're able to do it i think they have the offense to do it but can the defense you know can the defense show up and be on the field and you know force Washington to maybe trip
1: <laughs> if USC beats Washington and they still Oregon right yep then the pack twelve is out of the playoff in my mind. Um I think as,
0: Alabama fans would happily welcome that development. Right.
1: So, I mean, that would be interesting. And I think, you know, USC is capable. Like you have Caleb Williams on that offense, like you can score 40 points any game you want. But yeah, you know, how does the USC defense hold up? And you know, you have <laughs> Michael Penix and Bo Nix, who are still, you know, two of the top quarterbacks in the country on the other side is sides of those games as well. Yeah hundred percent
0: shift gears now to the game. We'll be watching on Saturday, Alabama LSU. Um, always a fun time between these two teams, especially under the lights, whether it's in Tiger stadium or Brian Denny, they're two and two in their last four matchups. The initial thought that came to mind as I'm looking at this matchup, Mike styles, make fights, um, on one side of the ball, you've got LSU's offense, which is by virtually every measure, the best in the country then against Alabama's defense which by most measures is one of the best in the country on the other side of the ball you have LSU's defense which has looked you know like the butter that hot knife rips through and then you've got Alabama's offense which as we've noted here on this podcast and on bama247.com very inconsistent not always super efficient um, but they tend to get the job done when they need to um let me pose this scenario to you LSU's offense I think we know the numbers, but I'm going to rattle them off again. Number one in total offense in the country, 553 yards a game. Number one in scoring offense, 47 and a half points per game. Jaden Daniels, probably the Heisman front runner right now. He's the only player in the country that has 3,000 total yards of offense, 25 touchdown passes, um, 2,500 passing yards. He's completing 73% of his passes. His passer rating, the only one in the country that's above 200. They have excellent receivers. They have a really good running back. Jaden can run too i'm officially assigning you to be alabama's defensive coordinator for a day
1: what's your game plan well i'll start off by saying this and i've i've done a few um radio interviews this week too and you know people kind of say like what you're just saying about you know alabama's offense versus lsc's defense maybe it's just the army game you know 62 nothing a couple weeks ago before the bye week but LSU's defense has actually crept up a little bit, and they are allowing 26.5 points a game. They're 73rd in the country, and that's that. Stat. Offensively, Alabama's at 50th in the country and scoring 30 points a game, so better on the Alabama side, but not like a huge difference, 50th versus 76th in the country. And then in terms of yardage, um, Alabama's offense is – 78th in the country, 366 a game. And LSU's defense is 88th in the country at 395 yards allowed per game. So, as bad as LSU's defense looked against Missouri and Ole Miss and for a few weeks there, the overall product for LSU's defense is not that much worse than the overall product for Alabama's offense this year. Um so I think that comparison yeah, you know, like Alabama's offense is definitely going to beat LSU's defense. Like statistically, I don't know if that's totally there. I think the um, idea is that like
0: LSU's offense against Alabama's defense right. is strength on strength. Whereas yep. like Alabama's offense against LSU's defense is like, you know, week on week, I think is the right. natural line there. I, I, I wouldn't consider either of those units like true weaknesses, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. Anyway, so as far as LSU's offense versus Alabama's defense and what do you do, um, I don't know. I'm not a <laughs> or I'm not a X's and O's genius, but you know, I think where Alabama's excelled the most this year has really been in stopping some running games. And there's been some bad running games that they've stopped, or not so great running games. A and M didn't really come in very well. Arkansas was not a good running game. Tennessee came in really good, and Alabama did a great job of stopping them. Mississippi State came in okay, and they did an okay job of stopping them. Ole Miss came in very good, and they did a very good job of stopping them. So Alabama's run defense, I think, is really where it starts. And Logan Diggs is fourth in the SEC right now in terms of um, yards per carry, I believe it is, Pretty and, good. Uh, and Daniels. So you're defending both styles of of runs. You know, you're defending the traditional running game with Diggs, but you're also defending Jaden Daniels' potential to run whether it's a design situation or whether it's more of an improv um, scramble situation, which is what killed them in overtime last year. So, um, you know, it's, it's not the same strategy in both cases. And, you know, if you're holding a guy back to spy Daniels, which I'm sure they will, then, you know, you're taking one guy out of um, pass coverage too. So there's, there's always going to be a numbers game at play um, or you're taking him out of the blitz or whatever it is. So, you're going to have to stop Daniels from breaking big runs. I think if you can continue doing what you're doing in terms of the run defense with your defensive line, Otis and the Boyd B and Tim Smith and, um, and those guys, you know, doing what they've done. And Trez Marshall, if he comes back, which I think seems like a decent chance that he will from his ribs and, you know, Jihad Campbell being in there inside linebackers, Lawson, like, have those guys do what they need to do from a, a run defense standpoint. And then I think you can trust your corners and potentially a little bit looser coverage. Um, it, it maybe creep Caleb Downs up to the line or you creep you know Jalen Key up to the line. You can trust Kool-Aid and um and Terry and Arnold and have them win those battles, you know, one-on-one with neighbors and Thomas. And yeah, I think that's that's gonna be the way it happens. Like I it's always you know, you, you can say you need to stop the pass. You can say you need to stop the run. I think for LSU, you need to do both. You need to rush the passer well. You need to cover guys well. I think the big thing you're going to hear Nick Saban talk about between now and Saturday is just the extra guy that it takes to keep an eye on Daniels and to control Daniels in the in the running game and how that affects what you're trying to do from a pass rush and a coverage standpoint. So I don't know if there's some big secret method of doing it. Um but I think LSU, more than any other team that Alabama's faced this year, even probably more than Texas, I think you have to worry about both phases, or really all three phases, the quarterback runs, the traditional runs, and the passing game, more than any other team they faced. And that has the potential to stretch you thin, but I think you can also rely on some guys like kool like Terry and Arnold, when you are stretched thin to do their job when they don't have help. Um, so that's you know what it comes down to, for for me at least.
0: Yeah, no, I've got, I mean, a a couple trains of thought here when it comes to, I don't think it's reasonable to ask Alabama to stop LSU's offense. Like, I just don't, I I don't think they can do do that. I don't know that anybody has done that. Um, but I think there are ways where you can slow it down. And so like, I'm, I'm a nerd. I went back and watched the LSU Florida state game to figure out what Florida state did well, because that's just, you know, they stymied LSU's offense in the second half of that game. Um, So what did they do? They played a lot of man defense, um, you know, just up on the line, immediately pushing those guys right off the blocks, um, you know, and that can be a dangerous game to play because if you get beat man to man coverage, like they will make you pay. Um, But I think this is, yeah, I I agree. I think this is a game where you trust Kool-Aid, you trust Terry on, you trust, you know, Jalen Key and Caleb Downs to cover, but maybe you also use Caleb Downs and Malachi Moore in, you know, run support or spy support or whatever that case may be, have them play over the middle of the field to eliminate Mason Taylor um, you know, so you gotta, you gotta play sticky man, but then you've also got, you know, Alabama loves rushing the passer. I don't know that this is a game where you should care so much about rushing the passer. I think it's more about containing and keeping Jaden Daniels in the pocket and just kind of squeezing him a little bit. Like it's, it, it would, you know, cause if it's one of those things where, and Saban said this earlier this week, where if you've got Turner and Braswell off the edge, or even a Boydby or Tim Smith or whoever, and they get behind Jaden Daniels it's almost 20 yards downfield, especially if you're playing man on the outside. Like there's just, there's nobody there, even if you've got a spy and all Daniels has to do is make a guy miss. Um, for as athletic as Deontay Lawson and Tresman Marshall and Jihad Campbell are and have been and will be, um, that's a tough ask on a regular basis. So you, you kind of have to keep him in the pocket and then you have to make him go through his progressions and just kind of squeeze a little bit and make him panic. That's at least what Florida state did. They had a lot of success doing it. Um, You know, and I would argue that Alabama's got more. They've got deeper. They've got more versatile personnel to be able to pull off something like that. Um, You know, and Saban even said it too. Like it's it's about discipline. It's about you know not getting behind Daniels. It's about you know basically staying in front of them. Um, you know, shout out to the guys on read and react on sec network, Roman Harper and Cole Kublik. They, they kind of pointed this out too, that there are teams that have had subtle success, like even a team like Auburn, who has maybe struggled a little bit defensively this year. They've had moments when they played LSU, where they were able to keep Daniels in the pocket and forced him basically to go throughout his entire progression. And then he steps into a tackle for loss or even a very short game. Like Alabama's got to play that game. They've got to find a way to keep him in the pocket. They've got to find a way to make him go through his progression. And when they decide to pursue, they've got to put him on the ground. Because if they're going to play man on the back end and they decide to contain him and they can't get him on the ground, it's going to be a really, really long day. So if they can find a way to do that, I think they'll give themselves a chance. Um, to at the very least slow down LSU's offense, which nobody has been able to do, but like, you know, like you've got to, it's this Saban even said, it's going to be a heavyweight fight. They're going to make plays, but you got to come back and respond and make plays of your own um, on a consistent basis.
1: I don't think it's, you know, this is the dead on arrival, the DOA Alabama defense, but I don't know if LSU is going to be dead on arrival. I think this is going to be more of a, you know, you have to withstand certain things happening in a game, you know, which again, it goes back to Alabama's offense too. I mean, it doesn't, it shouldn't, and it, and it can't all be on Alabama's defense to hold LSU to under twenty points because all Alabama can muster is 23, 26 points, as they've done um, in most SEC games they've played this year. Um, this is right. a game where they got to score thirty. Right, like they, like they often has
0: to get at least to thirty points, I think, to give themselves right. a chance to win the game.
1: Right, which requires you know not turning the ball over, not giving short fields. Which it did against Tennessee, you know, early with the the Monroe, um fumble, um, converting in the red zone, which it didn't do with the Moro interception against Tennessee. They didn't do it with the Moro interception against Ole Miss. Um, like that's it, it's you hear this before. It's a complimentary game. It's complimentary football. Like I think there's still a requirement for Alabama's offense to help out the defense, and it, it's going to be a game where I think you're you're probably going to have to score. 30 35 i think 35 might be the magic number um if your defense can hold lsu to under 35 i think that's reasonable alabama's only hit 35 points as an
0: offense once this season um they hit 40 against mississippi state but that includes braswell's pick six they Mm -hmm. hit 34 against tennessee but that includes the scoop and score like middle tennessee state that's it
1: right that's it's a high bar for this offense. And the, you know, it's one of those things that's like, you kind of need to wait to see it before you believe in it. Um, so you no, know, I'm going to write about it today, but Nick Saban says, you know, good defense or they're sorry. Good defense doesn't be good offense anymore in college football. So you have a good offense and a good defense. And by the words of Nick Saban, the good offense is have the edge, you know, these days, um, So that might be where I lean in this one, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe we'll all be surprised and it's a 13-10 game and decided by a little right field goal. (laughs) I think, uh, well, and I think to your point, you
0: know, about it being complimentary and the offense needs to do its part too. I think there's, I, you know, maybe I'm just kind of looking at stats too much, which is entirely possible, but I think there's going to be opportunity here for Alabama to run the ball. You know LSU. You look at their run defense; it's not exactly great. 156 yards allowed per game. That's 12th in the SEC. They're allowing 4.8, 4.7 yards per carry. That's 13th in the SEC. Like even in wins over Army, where they looked particularly good, um, still gave up 150 rushing yards to Army. I know that's just what they do, but you know they've given up at least 100 yards rushing in every single game this season, save for Mississippi State, who you know, still rushed for 94 yards in a lopsided LSU win. So I think there's going to be opportunity there for Alabama for guys like Jace McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, even Jalen Milrow. And that gets to the point of the other part of this game. You look at LSU and the way, you know, I mean, look at their losses. Florida State, Jordan Travis, mobile quarterback, strong arm. Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, mobile quarterback, strong arm. What's Jalen Milrow? I know he told us earlier this week that he does not practice running at all and he doesn't work on becoming a mobile quarterback. He's more of a thrower. He wants to be a drop back passer, but the guy can move. He's got fast feet. Alabama has leaned into that in more recent weeks with some RPO and just some design QB draws. I think that's another element of this game that will help the offense, help the defense. Like, you know, run the ball, obviously with McClellan and Roydell, but also like give Milro some RPOs um, give him uh, what I refer to as, you know, pass run options where like, if the first read isn't there, crack open a lane and take off running, like just find a way to keep the clock moving a little bit. It's a possession thing against LSU's offense. Um, not so much a time of possession thing. And the more you can milk your offensive possessions and you do that by running the ball and running the clock, um, the fewer possessions that LSU's offense will get. Um, and I think that's a math game that, you know, I would like to think Nick Saban is fully aware of when it comes to game planning for this. So I think this could be a big game for the run offense. I think this could be a big game, obviously for Jalen Milrow. I feel like that's a comment we make every single game, um, when it comes to Alabama's offense, but I think especially so here, he's a mobile quarterback with a big arm and given LSU's history of struggling with mobile quarterbacks with big arms, um, you know, Milro can make enough big plays, I think, in this game to help the offense take advantage of what is perceived to be a weaker LSU defense.
1: Mm-hmm. And just don't forget LSU's rushing offense, <clears throat> third in the country, 5.7 yards yeah. a game, 13th in terms of yards per game, 213 yards a game, 22 rushing touchdowns, 1,700 yards. A lot of that is from Jaden Daniels, but a lot of that's from Logan Diggs as well. Um, And so you're looking at a team that can run the ball. And if I guess if they wanted to control the clock on the other side and a team that's been far and away more effective at running the ball than Alabama has. Alabama is still sitting down there, 3.74 yards a carry, 147 yards a game, bottom third, bottom quarter in college football. Whereas you have a top three rushing offense in LSU. So yeah, difference. You know, Tennessee came in two weeks ago with similar numbers rushing wise. They just didn't have the the passing offense, and um, you know we saw a little bit of it from Milton. But this is a different animal in terms of what Jaden Daniels and their passing offense can do. So that's it's a big difference, and um, I think a tough one for Alabama to overcome. But we'll see. Yeah, I think so. So so to briefly recap here, um, trust your
0: run defense if you're Alabama. Find a way to keep Jaden Daniels in the pocket and make him go through his progressions and make him have to make harder decisions faster. Um, and if you're Alabama on offense, um, you know, lean on the run game a little bit and Jalen Milrow needs to be efficient and also use his feet as much as he will probably use the deep ball. Um, any other keys to victory that you think we may have missed?
1: Don't screw it up. <laughs> no, I think it's just, um... don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Four more points. No, I think it's it's the keys that are the same every week. You know, for this offense, which is don't do stupid stuff penalty wise or turnover wise, and be what you are, which is try to control the ball and run the ball and make them quit. And if you need to throw the ball, you know, have some ability to make plays. And I think we'll probably see more of that. You know, it's kind of like the A and M game where you have a secondary that's kind of the weakness of of the team on the other side. So, um, you know, the big plays might be there and um, not nearly as
0: ferocious of a pass rush. Like there's talent on that LSU defense. Right. Don't get me wrong, but like that's, it's not as a nasty as a front seven is what they had to deal with against AM. and I think they could use that to their, to their advantage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, you can connect on those big plays, then, you know, you put yourself in a position to try to compete with LSU's offense, but, um, yeah, it's just one of those games where you're gonna have to hold on, and it's. Uh, I don't think you can have a bad half like they've had in several games this year, and still win. Um, this is a better team. This is the best team they've played since uh, Texas. So we'll see. And this is why I agree.
0: I think. Uh, I think to, to tie a bow on this discussion, I think you know, in, in recent weeks, I think it's been reasonable to expect the defense to make a big play when needed. I think this week the, the offense has to step up and take on that responsibility. They got to make a big play. They may have to make a few big plays. Um, and like I said, they're, they're probably going to have to, you know, get to at least 30, 35 points to, to win this game. Um, so we'll see if they can do that. This is again, styles make fights um, as the old cliche goes. It's a cliche for a reason. Um, it's going to be a fun back and forth, but whoever makes the most plays probably going to win the game. Um, I'm excited. Um, sounds like you're excited too. Got a quick prediction. Got any score guess for us before we sign off here?
1: LSU 38, Alabama 31. Whoa,
0: that'll piss people off That's where I see it. <laughs> I like, uh, I think 34, 30 Alabama in this one. I think being at home matters. Um, I guess I, I just, I trust the defense. I've, I've seen enough where I just, I'm, I'm a believer in them. Um, but also, I, I mean, I can very easily see thirty four thirty LSU. And if that's the case, I think you uh, can rightfully give Jaden Daniels the uh, the Heisman Trophy um, if he's able to come in, in Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. Um, be his favorite. Yeah, right. So that's uh, that's I think that's it. That's all we've got today. Mike, I appreciate you joining us in the midweek. As always, fun discussion on the college football playoff. Fun discussion on Alabama LSU. Kickoff on Saturday, 6.45 p.m. Central time. Game going to be on CBS. We will be in the building. If you're not in the building, be sure to tune in. It is sure to be a fun one. We'll be back sometime Sunday, probably John Talty and I, to recap that game. going to be a fun one as we just discussed here in the meantime though be sure to rate and review this show wherever you listen to your podcast apple stitcher spotify even our bama 247 at youtube page subscribe to bama 247 and 247 sports guys you can get a subscription for a dollar a month to start and then just ten dollars a month thereafter for the best coverage of your favorite college football team take advantage of that especially if you're an alabama fan thank you so much again mike thank you so much again dear listener we will talk to you guys again soon